0: Good morning, UNCW. From your local news team here at the Seahawk, I'm Camden Harris, your host for the Seahawk News Podcast. Today is Monday, January 31st, and without further ado, let's get right into this week's latest news. As you probably know, here in Wilmington, temperatures dropped significantly in the past weeks, and this ended up causing some problems for many UNCW students. At least, currently, that is what's theorized by many a student on campus. In the past week, over 400 students were evacuated out of Terrapin Hall beginning at 10.30pm due to a pipe burst in the building, causing significant damage to at least 16 students' residences. Students were stuck displaced from 10.30pm up until 4.30am when they finally got room assignments. The evacuated students were then notified the next day, saying that they could return to their rooms around 2pm. As for the 16 students, the repairs needed to make their room safe again may take around 1-2 weeks, until then they will stay in their temporary housing assignments. Sophomore Eric Dixon, who has to say the following, was in bed on the 5th floor of the hall when the fire alarms went off. I heard the alarm and knew it wasn't a drill. It was too late for a drill. I grabbed my phone and wallet in case it was a fire, but I wanted to at least have those with me. I was thinking that I'm going to be fine, but I'm going to lose so much that the things in my room were damaged, said Dixon. After the alarm went off, Dixon remained outside the building with the other residents, waiting for information about where they could expect to spend the remainder of the evening. As mentioned before, he and the other students were not placed into their temporary housing until 4.30am. Junior Andrew McLawhorn, one of the apartment residents Dixon spent the early morning hours with, explained that he received information about the situation in Terrapin Hall and was not worried about doing his part to help displace people. McLawhorn had the following to say, I did not have any concerns about having someone needing to temporarily live in our apartment until their space is cleaned. I didn't even hear the individual come in this morning. Despite everything that was going on, Dixon maintained a positive outlook on the situation. Quote, It could have been a lot worse. I was very fortunate, and the circumstances were beyond our control, and we just have to take the hand we've been dealt. Sophomore residential assistant Carrick Barry was on duty when the pipe burst. Barry described the chain of events surrounding the initial notice of the flooding. Quote, I got a call from another RA on the lower floor explaining what had happened, and my boss was already on the phone with the fire department. Then the alarm went off, and it was a long night. Barry described the initial damage from the pipe in the first-floor kitchen, with ceiling tiles on the ground and about an inch of water on the kitchen floor. When Barry returned to the hall in the afternoon of January 24th, the kitchen was blocked up with tape and the baseboards were stripped off the walls, while attempts to vacuum up the water were made by members of Housing and Residence Life staff. The Seahawk will continue to follow this story and the long-term impacts this burst pipe will have upon the residents of Terrapin Hall. Next in the news, there is a lot of uneasiness in anticipation of this year's midterm elections. One of the key races to determine the makeup of the nation's Senate will be right here in North Carolina. Senator Richard Burr is not running for re-election, which leaves an empty seat that many North Carolina Republicans and Democrats are fighting to fill. Since the Senate is split 50-50 between both parties, every seat counts in this election. Without a clear predecessor to Burr, North Carolina might become a pivotal state in November's vote. Currently, Democrats are controlling the White House with Joe Biden in office in 2022, as well as a majority vote in the House and Senate. However, prospective numbers for this midterm election show a lead in the Republican Party. The stakes for the U.S. Senate race are at an all-time high due to the unknowns of the future of the Senate. U.S. Senator Richard Burr, who has represented North Carolina for 28 years, announced his retirement in 2016. Burr was first elected to the Senate seat in 2004, beginning a standard term of six years. However, his service did not end there. From 2015 to 2020, he chaired the Senate Intelligence Committee. Senate retirements have left seats open in three swing states this election—North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. The person elected, taking Senator Burr's place, would serve as one of the two representatives in the U.S. Senate. Their term would last six years. A third of the Senate will also be elected in this cycle. There are two voting dates for the midterm elections—a primary election day and a general election day. Primary elections were originally scheduled for March 8th, 2022, but were delayed due to redistricting issues. More on that later. The new primary date is May 17th, 2022. On this day, voters will be able to vote on one nominee for the party they are registered with. The general election day is November 8th, 2022. On this day, voters will elect one person from any party to be the next senator. So, what about that redistricting plan? What is it? Well, to explain, each state redraws their voting district lines every 10 years in accordance with the census. However, the redistricting plan based on 2020 census was gerrymandered and rejected by Governor Roy Cooper. The districts are being redrawn, therefore delaying the midterm election until the districts can be considered fair. District lines are what determine which candidate is elected from each section of the state. As the population increases and people relocate, the government is responsible for maintaining an equal number of people across the districts. Senators represent the entirety of the state, so they are not affected by redistricting except when it comes to voting day. The midterm date was pushed back over two months due to this controversy. So where are we at in the race? UNCW political science professor Nadine Gibson focuses on American politics, political behavior, elections, and state government. She says that right now we are in the invisible primary phase of the race. This means that the parties are winnowing down the candidates before a single ballot has been cast. This period is a time for candidates to prove themselves among the campaign track, a time to raise money and solidify themselves as viable candidates in the public's eyes. Now if you don't know what's going on, well you're not alone. UNCW professor Aaron King had this to say, even people that do pay attention to politics are oftentimes burned out. Of course, as elections approach, more people pay attention. This is especially the case in presidential elections, but the attention goes way down in the midterm elections, and even more so in the primary elections. The problem here is that many people don't pay attention to primaries, even though that these are the races where parties choose who the nominees will be on the general election ballot in November. Well, what do the voters think so far? Well, the last time North Carolina saw a Democratic Senator in office was in 2009 with Iliana Kagan. Right now, the prospective Senate polls for the United States are almost too close to see a real difference in numbers. The ballots are almost split with 42.9% of voters planning to vote Republican, and 42.7% going Democrat, and finally 14.4% unsure. In North Carolina, Ted Budd holds a prospective 41.1% lead over Cherry Beasley for the Republican seat. Cherry Beasley's prospective poll number sits at 37.9%. So what's the next step? The next step is the primary election on May 17th. Candidates are gearing up for what may be one of the most historically significant North Carolina elections. And finally, we'll finish off this morning with sports news. UNCW found themselves in an unfamiliar position for a large part of Thursday's contest against Northeastern. They were in the lead. In fact, the Hawks led the Huskies for all but 42 seconds, ranking as one of the team's most impressive wire-to-wire performances this season. However, after the Seahawks gave up numerous offensive rebounds on their last defensive possession to close out the opening period, head coach Takeo Siddle knew now was not the time to let off the gas. Siddle said, I got on them at halftime. I told them they're the top dog right now and people are gunning for them, so they have to have a sense of urgency with everything they're doing. Not only did Siddle's message resonate with his players, but it had an immediate impact on their performance. The Hawks came out firing in the second half, quickly scoring 14 points during the first four minutes, helping spark a run that would result in the team's biggest lead of the game. Siddle and his crew wouldn't look back from there, UNCW went on to shoot over 50% from the field in the final 20 minutes and to secure its tenth consecutive win, one shy of tying the program's longest winning streak that came back in 2015 and 2016. The Seahawks were once again led by Jalen Sims and his team-high 20 points, 13 of which came in the second half. Shaquem Phillips added 17 points of his own, while Jalen Fornes contributed 14 points off the bench. Siddle said, This is a special thing that is going on right now. It's all because of the players. Those guys truly love each other, and they care about winning. It's all about them. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Sea Talk. Thank you for listening in, Seahawks, and we'll hope to see you at the Involvement Carnival today. Have a good one, and we'll see you next week.